The Apostle Paul told us, work out your own salvation in fear and in trembling. That doesn't sound like what they're preaching today, does it? Don't they say, I'm all right, you're all right? And then you relax and basically go to hell by following this world? Paul didn't say that. He said, work out your own salvation in fear and in trembling. Jesus told us in the last days, because iniquity abounds, the love of many, and I believe he means for the word of God, will wax cold because that iniquity abounds around us. But he who endures until the end, the same shall be saved. Paul made some very important statements to Timothy. And I have really set myself to live by these statements that Paul made. Let's look at them. They're in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul said to Timothy, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. I have translated that for myself as follows. Till Jesus comes, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. I'm going to discuss each one of those points for us. Paul also said, neglect not the gift that is in thee. To each of us who belong to God, we have been given spiritual gifts. I live in the home of Pam Paget, one of our church group. Pam has been given the spiritual gift of helps. I have been given the spiritual gift of exhortation to warn the church. Each of us have different spiritual gifts which are to be used for the church itself. To one is given the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, to another faith, to another the gifts of healing. You can read all of these spiritual gifts. You can read about them in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is that has been given you by God. Read about these things. Take note of that which you tend to do. Pam is always helping people. She helped her next-door neighbor. He was elderly, and he eventually died, but as long as he was living, Pam was looking in on him. She was doing his laundry. She was taking him to doctor's appointments. If he fell at his house, which he frequently fell at his house, he would call Pam and she would go over and either she would get him up or she would get neighbors to come and help get him up or she would call the ambulance. Then later, another neighbor on the uh, north side of her house, her elderly mother lived with her and Pam was always helping with her elderly mother. Pam helped me. Pam went to Houston and helped one of our church people move from Houston to Lubbock, Texas. She was always helping people. 
Now, guess what gift Pam has? Gift of helps. I know another person who loved to give money. She didn't have much money, but she just loved to give. She really just loved to give. Now, it wouldn't necessarily have to be money. It might be cooking food for certain people that needed help or helping in other ways. But she probably has um, a gift of giving. Look at the, that list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans 12. Because you fit somewhere. You have a spiritual gift. I once asked my Church of Christ aunt, my favorite aunt, I once asked her, what is your spiritual gift? And she said, well, I always sort of thought it was love. But love is not a spiritual gift. We all have that in us after we're born again. The spiritual gifts are listed for us in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. So if you don't know what your gift is, you have something. If you don't know what it is, you identify the gift by what you do. What do I have? A gift of exhortation. I'm always warning the church, warning them. Exhortation means to urge earnestly by advice or warning. I'm always warning the church. I also have a spiritual gift, a word of knowledge, because God would often give me a word of knowledge on healing or something else. Somebody was having a stomach problem or this kind of problem or that kind of problem. And he would give me a word of wisdom for them. So I had, I know I have those two gifts, word of wisdom and word of knowledge. They're for the church, not for me. They're for the church, to be given to the church. So you can read those two things yourself. And it says, neglect not the gift that is in thee. I'm very careful not to neglect the gift of exhortation. There are two passages of Scripture, one in Hebrews 3 and the other in Hebrews 10. The one in Hebrews 3 says, Exhort one another daily while it is today. Many people probably make podcasts occasionally. I make podcasts daily to exhort the church, to help the church by the Spirit of God, recording what not what you want to hear, but what God wants me to speak to you. I'm very careful about that. The other um, word on exhortation is in Hebrews 10. Exhort one another, and so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. And I do see the day of the Lord approaching. Get them ready. Exhort them. Warn them. And I do that constantly, daily, to help the church by the Spirit of God as God wills, giving the messages that God wants you to hear. Now, in verse uh, 15, 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, Meditate on these things and give thyself wholly unto them. I live in a beautiful part of the United States at this point in my life. I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The mountains are right here at our doorstep, the Rocky Mountains, Pikes Peak. 
We could be out running around and looking at different things. We could be going places. We could be going to various mining sites in Colorado, historical sites. There are so many of them. But that won't help you at all. Not at all. It will help you if I discipline myself and do what Paul said, give myself to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. That is help for the church. So give yourself wholly to these things, says Paul, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Oh, the doctrine is so important. There are so many terrible, false doctrines in the churches and terribly false secular sayings on television and in the world. People trying to get you to do things, often things, that are totally contrary to the Bible. We have to give ourselves to the doctrine. We have to keep it before us in order to continue in the doctrine. Because you're going to hear so many people say things contrary to Bible doctrine. They're going to say things like, oh, it's okay for the man to marry the divorced woman. It's okay. Well, why would that matter? Well, it matters very much. Because at the time of sexual intercourse, that woman has become one flesh with her husband. So after she's divorced, what do you do if you are a man who's going to marry this divorced woman? There'll always be part of her that's fragmented. You can't do away with that one flesh so long as that previous husband is living. See, these are spiritual truths. All we have to do is yield ourselves to the Spirit. When it says in the Bible, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, then we go with that. That's the bottom line. That's the truth on the matter. It doesn't matter how many hundreds of thousands of church people disagree with you. You cling to the Scriptures and avoid those people who go another way. So it's critical that we hang on to the doctrine and keep it before us because that is truth and that is what we must hold to is the truth. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Continuing in the word that is in the Bible is critical. So if we give ourselves to reading to exhortation to doctrine. Let's take one of those at a time. First, to reading. I have set up my life to read. To read the Bible. To read even the books that I write. Because those books that are on Amazon, which you can buy in paperback or ebook, they're filled with scripture. It doesn't matter even where you start reading. You can just open any one of them and you're going to be seeing scripture. And that's what we have to keep before us day and night. Doctrine, ways to go, things that are compatible with Bible. I also read our own blog every day. Well, actually every evening I read it also 
before I go to bed, and then I read it again during the day. In my bathroom, I keep one of uh, the paperback ministry books which I've written because in the bathroom, I can open it and I can just refresh my mind and renew my mind again to some scripture because they're filled with scripture. Those are all published on Amazon. Just type in my name, Joan Boney, and that will bring up all those books. doesn't matter which one you read. It's going to be full of scripture. But I keep that in there. And often when I'm reading, God will get my attention on something. A few days ago, I started reading 1 Corinthians. And I have been sort of doing something with myself the last few days that I haven't done before. Those letters Paul wrote to the church, those were letters. If you got a letter, would you read the first page and not read the second? I got to thinking about that, and I decided to just read the whole epistle. 1 Corinthians 1, I'd read all of 1 Corinthians. The next day, I'd read all of 2 Corinthians. Then Romans and Galatians, Ephesians, and so on. Read the whole epistle. Just let it wash over you. Now, if you see something to do, of course, you stop and do that thing and focus on that. Otherwise... It's just like taking a bath in the Word of God. Well, a few days ago, I started reading 1 Corinthians uh, 1, and I saw verses 1 and 2, and something happened. Paul called him to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is that Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints. And that word saints caught my attention. I thought of the abomination in the Catholic Church where they call individual saints, dead individuals. And they teach their people that this Christopher is watches over them when they travel and protects them. That's abominable. Christopher, I assume, is a dead person. He's not watching over you. God watches over you. This is terrible, terrible to teach people this. These Catholics set up all kinds of abominations, but one of them is their saint abomination, where they honor some dead human and give that human some kind of assumed power in your life if you listen to them. Hopefully you're not. But this is horrible. So what are saints? Who, who do you think the saints are? Well, they're the church. All through the New Testament, you will see the, the reference to the church being the saints. They're the people of God. They are the ones who are born again, who have the Spirit of God, who follow the Spirit of God. Now, they're not the people who come to church necessarily. They are the people called by God and set in the body of Christ. They are members of the body of Christ. Those are the saints. We are the saints. Paul, who is dead, is one of the saints, who will be raised by Jesus when he comes, as will we. So God often gets my attention as I read 
the Bible, God gets my attention to speak certain things to you. Sometimes they're things I've spoken before, and sometimes they are new things, like I've never spoken, I don't think, on this subject of who are the saints. But that's what God wants you to hear. So he gets my attention that way. Often you will, God will get your attention and my attention as we read scripture, that we can do certain scriptures. So reading is just a critical thing for us to do. Reading daily, many times throughout the day, throughout the evening. Oftentimes I will have 30, 45 minutes uh, before it's really time to go to bed. What do I do at that time? Watch another TV show? Sometimes. But sometimes I just turn the TV off and read something. Something spiritual. Read the Bible. I read our blog, which is spiritual. So Paul says, give yourself to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Exhortation. Now, I have a call of God on my life to exhort the church. But you have children, maybe. Or you have friends. You have someone in your life. Exhortation. Warning them. That is to present warnings of things to come. If you see something, present it. Don't hold back. If it's called to your attention, present it. Don't hold back. The Holy Spirit calls these things to our attention. I never try to present something. But I try to follow the Holy Spirit. If he reminds me of a subject... I present it. And that's what we all should do. It's not a matter of trying to tell other people things of God, of thinking of what we might try to tell them. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. He will call it to our mind, and we simply yield to the Holy Spirit. I was visiting with my Church of Christ aunt one time, and the Holy Spirit said to me, tell her about being taken into heaven. I didn't want to do that. My experience with Church of Christ people is they're not too favorably tuned towards supernatural experiences with God. But I knew it was the Holy Spirit saying this to me, tell her about taking, being taken into heaven. So I did. Shortly after I was born again, I was taken into heaven. I had been asleep, and I don't. I was taken into heaven in the night while I was sleeping. I knew I was with God. I knew I was with Christ. I knew I was with the Holy Spirit. I saw no images of, at all like human figures. No images. It was a spiritual experience. While I was there... I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, with God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. A few days later, this exact same thing happened to me again. I was taken into heaven. I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I saw no figures. 
It was a spiritual experience. I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, with God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. As I told my aunt this, I saw on her face a very dreamy look appear on her face. She was thinking of something. After I finished speaking, she said to me, something like that happened to me once, and it was all golden. This aunt was very different from anybody else in our family. She and I always related strongly to each other, but the other si- her sisters were often afraid of. What will Arda think? What will Arda think? She was the gold standard. I knew why she and I related. Because we were both called by God to do works of God in the church. I very much doubt that she'd ever told that happening to anybody at Church of Christ. She never. She didn't tell me that, but I doubt it. But she told it to me. So we simply speak the things brought to our mind by the Spirit of God. And that does the work of God when we're with another person. I often pray for God to give me what he wants me to say when I'm with another person. And to not let me say anything that shouldn't be said. And sometimes when I'm with another person, they will provoke me to the wrong thing. And I have to pray while I'm talking to them, please don't let me say that. Please don't let me say what I want to say. And when I leave them, I'm always rather amazed because my prayer was answered. God did not let me say what I wanted to say. But I always have faith to know that what I did say, God wanted said. And it can be harsh. Sometimes it can be very harsh. But it is what God wants said that is important. That does the work of God. I was visiting my mother once. uh, My mother and dad were not born again. We didn't go to church. They didn't have Bibles in the house or anything. They never talked evil about the Bible. We just didn't have any. They just didn't mention it. But my mother liked horoscopes. And all my life, when I was a child, we would go into the village and she would buy the most recent horoscope magazine and would read the horoscope to me. After I was born again, I was visiting my mother and opened her cabinet, her kitchen cabinet, to get a glass. And I noticed a set of mugs that I had given her. They were horoscope mugs, which I gave her before I was born again. I got a garbage bag, and she was watching me. And I began putting those mugs into a garbage bag. And she realized what I was about to do. So she said, stop, what are you doing? I want to keep those. You gave those to me. I didn't say a word. I just kept putting them in the garbage bag. 
I left the house and went out into to the alley where the dumpster, the garbage dumpster, was located. I broke the mugs and put them in the plastic bag and threw them into the dumpster. When I returned to the house without the bag, she knew what I'd done. I didn't say a word. I just got a Bible and went to her and read the following passage of Scripture to my mother. Deuteronomy chapter 18. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer, for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. Never ever would I have planned to use that scripture with anyone. But the Holy Spirit brought that scripture to my mind. So I yielded to the Holy Spirit and shared that scripture. My mother sat there silently for a minute after I read that to her. And then she said, well, I guess we'd better not do that anymore. My mother was born again because she agreed with the scripture. And she changed from the way of thinking she had been following all her life. She was born again. After I returned to Dallas, where I lived, my uncle wrote to me and he said, Your mother has changed. She has really changed. That's what being born again is change. We're changed. We are changed to be children of God, where we once were children of the world. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul told Timothy, Refuse profane sayings and old wives' fables. Refuse them. Profane means secular sayings. There's a secular saying which people often make, which is wrong. It's not true. They say, we'll never get out of this world alive. That is not true. Because Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that he showed us a mystery. That some will still be alive when Jesus returns. They will be alive on this earth. Instantly, they will be changed, 1 Corinthians 15. Instantly, they will be changed. They will no longer have these physical bodies. They will be taken out of the physical bodies. They will be given a new spiritual body, taken into heaven to be with Jesus, to be taken to the new heaven and the new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. So some people will not see death. 
I never bought a cemetery plot because I wasn't sure whether or not I'd need it because of those scriptures. Some of us, some will still be alive on this earth when Jesus returns. I don't know if I'll be one of them, but I don't know that I won't be one of them. So I just never bought a cemetery plot. I felt that strongly about it. There are secular sayings that you cannot prove by the Bible. It's wisdom of their own mind. I had a Catholic woman who was a friend of mine in Texas, and she would come to my house to visit me, and she would often speak some secular saying. And I would just look at her and say, now, I live by the Bible, and that thing you just said is not in the Bible. She got real quiet and stopped talking. Eventually, she departed from me. But that's all right, too, because we don't need to be around people who are going to try to fill us with secular sayings. And eventually, they will probably depart if you will just tell them what I, something like what I said. I just said, I live by the Bible, and what you just said is not in the Bible. Once again, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. But refuse profane secular sayings and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So Paul says, give yourself to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Let's talk about doctrine. Oh, this is critical. There are so many false doctrines in the churches as well as in the world. Keep before you doctrines such as the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, Matthew 5.32 the doc, This doctrine, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he who committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. 1 Corinthians 6 And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, says Paul, let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. 1 Corinthians seven ten eleven. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, homosexuals and lesbians. For even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Romans chapter 1 verses 26-27 Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, says Paul? 
Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall enter the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10. Then we have a set of scriptures warning us about sinning willfully after we have the knowledge of the truth because there's no more sacrifice for sin. Before we're born again, we have the blood of Jesus. We have the sacrifice he made for sin. But after we're enlightened to the truth, after we're enlightened, if we go out and continue and go back to those sins, Peter said, it would be better for us never to have been born again than to return to those sins. It's like a dog wallowing in its vomit. Let's look at those scriptures. First, we'll take Hebrews 10, verses 26-29. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherein he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despot unto the Spirit of grace. Hebrews 10, 26-29 There's a remarkable scripture in Hebrews 6, verses 4-6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. That's Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. And then Peter said, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. That is Second Peter two, twenty through twenty two. In Revelation chapter three, verse five, Jesus said, To them that overcome, I will not blot out their name out of the book of life. To them that overcome, we overcome by clinging to the word of God 
and by refusing to go the way we once went and by refusing to go in the way of the pagans of this world. I see some Christians going out to graves to decorate graves with flowers at Memorial Day in the United States. Two Baptist women were doing this, and I said to them, why are you doing this? This is pagan. This is a pagan act. Why are you doing pagan acts? Are you testifying to the resurrection or to death? What are you testifying to? To my own cousin whose husband had died. She told me she was going out to decorate Thurman's grave, and she wasn't even a church person. But I said to her, who are you trying to impress? Just who is it that you're trying to impress by going out there and decorating that grave? Thurman's dead. He's asleep. He doesn't know you are out there decorating that grave. So who is it you're trying to impress? She got very quiet. And she said to me, Well then, I guess it doesn't matter where we're buried. I said, That's right. I think she might have been born again at that moment. And she was about 85 when this happened. I have hope that she was born again. She once told me about going to a neighbor's house and how embarrassed she was because it was going to be a cookout. So she dressed in her blue jeans and went to the neighbor's house and she found it was really a wedding. These two homosexual men lived in that house and they were marrying each other. And she said, oh, I was so embarrassed by the way I was dressed. I said, well, I wouldn't have been embarrassed. I would have fled. But you see, she didn't know about homosexuals. She didn't know the scriptures. But I think she might have been born again before she died when I told her that thing about who are you trying to impress by standing over that grave and decorating it. Who are you trying to impress? We should stop and think about what we do as Christians. Of course, she wasn't a Christian at the time this happened, but I think she became one when I said that to her. But if, as a Christian, we have to think about the things we're doing. We have to think about the test, not just the testimony that we're giving, but the way we're living. Well, I have, as recently, set myself to live by these things that Paul wrote. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Do it daily. Spend time with it. Give yourself wholly to these things. Focus on doctrine from the Holy Bible, what God says, what he has to say. We don't go around asking each other what they think. It doesn't matter. What matters is what God thinks. When you know what God thinks, you know everything. Follow that. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.